0: Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alert, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing, having it all. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in, The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I am speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively.
1: Here in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, we hear the invitation to open our hearts as individuals and as a church family to those who may be rejected or excluded from our lives, from those who are so different than we are. These stories from the early church allow us to explore what it meant for them to draw the circle wider and wider as they spread the inclusive message of God's love. One of our all-time favorite songs here at Bluegrass is the one that we've been closing our worship with the past few weeks and will again today. Draw the circle wide. I wonder what does this drawing the circle wider mean for us? Or does it mean anything for us? This story from 2 Corinthians to one of Paul's earliest churches and one of his favorites. But the truth is the Corinthian church was not his favorite because they had it all together. Because definitely that was not the case. For no sooner had he left them than the squabbles began in earnest. If you read through First and Second Corinthians, page after page is spent trying to appeal to the church to just get along and some instructions on in how that might be accomplished. Now, keep in mind that all of the early church communities were made up of a bunch of rejects. For when anyone in the ancient community professed to follow one God and then seek to emulate the example of Jesus, those folks were seen as weird. And out of touch, they were rejected by society, by the political powers, by their religious leaders, and even by their own families. It was no walk in the park to claim to be a Christian back then. Some things don't change. But we might think that this group of rejects would find commonality and get along. That they'd pull together against the external pressures and powers. But no, instead, they seem to be in this constant state of infighting. Posturing for position. It is in this framework that Paul speaks to them candidly and openly. This mirror is one of the very few things that Brenda remembers and kept from her home growing up. Now, Brenda calls me a hoarder and I call her a shaker. For we are very different in what we like to accumulate in our home. I tell her I'm not a hoarder, I'm just very sentimental. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Brenda would tell you that this mirror is not an expensive mirror. But it's important to her. She has this and a dining room table, and I think that's about it, right? It's important to her, but she says, because that's the mirror that she threw a hairbrush at when she didn't like the way her hair looked. That's the mirror she remembers she and her sister looking into, and she and her mom and dad. It was in their home for all those years. So she kept it, and it now hangs in our bedroom. In between our reflections about evangelicals and politicians and difficult family members, Kenny shared the pulpit one Sunday and offered another thing that can block our faith. And it's us. So as we journey towards finding meaning in these scripture lessons, the art of self-reflection becomes necessary. So I'd like to invite you to just sort of look at that mirror. I know some of you are from a distance, but just sort of focus on that mirror for just a bit. What do you see? Maybe you're like me, and the older you get, the less friendly mirrors become. We look in mirrors, don't we, and we see our flaws. Some of us are even crazy enough to get those magnifying mirrors. (laughs) We see our youth fading before our eyes. Every year bringing more wrinkles and maybe more weight. Our hair graying or thinning. Our energy not as it used to be. and Maybe our memory. So those of us middle age and older may see in the mirror our bygone youth and thus feel like our best days are behind us. Perhaps we look in the mirror and we feel like we haven't lived up to our potential, waiting too late to discover God's purpose for us, maybe still unsure about it. So we hunker down in complacency or indifference, thinking that You know, if things had been different, if I'd have taken that path instead of that one, if I'd have made this decision instead of that one, if things had been different, then maybe my life could have had more impact. The image staring back from us from the mirror, friends, beckons us and calls us to break forth. To see not our restrictions or mistakes, but a world of possibilities. No matter our age or our ability or whether we are deemed successful by society's standards, if only we could see ourselves as God does. Younger than middle age this morning, well, you have it made, huh? I tell you, I have some fantastic memories of my childhood and high school and college days as well as my days of being a young adult, but I would not go back for a second the pressures that young people have today of fitting in, of looking like or acting like peers think you should, the, the hard choices of what to do with your life, and an economic system that becomes more and more challenging and less people focused and more technology focused. Circumstances and finances and college loans, if you're lucky to go to college, seem so restrictive for dreaming big. So some folks may see youth in the mirror but sometimes that reflection comes back with anxiety and uncertainty of what in the world lies ahead and so we see addictions and depression and indifference sometimes seem to plague our youth all trying to discover who they are in this great big world friends Paul's church in Corinth had these same dynamics They were focused on their flaws and weaknesses. They were almost immobile. They saw the world with very narrow possibilities and they relished on excuses and blaming each other. Instead of supporting one another and welcoming any and all who yearned for a place to belong, they dug deeply into their divisions, jockeying for who was the greatest, and all the while wasting away time and energy on building a very small fenced-in community. And so Paul calls him out. And he tells them he's doing with great affection. Paul's saying, listen, I love you, church. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. You don't want to look in the mirror because you see limitations. And perhaps you don't want to see what you're doing to drag yourself down in our church down. So listen again. I love this scripture. Indeed, may we be so bold as to listen to it.
0: Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. I am speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively.
1: Just sit with that just a minute. Paul's telling his church that if they're seeing themselves as insignificant or limited, that's their fault. It's on them. And with great affection, I'm going to tell you or us the same thing. We might not want to admit it. But we can find ourselves living lives with narrow views of who's in and who's out. Who can belong to our churches? Who can cross our borders? Who can live their lives authentically, whether or not we understand or agree with it? If we fence in our homes or our faith communities only welcoming those who think like us or look like us or define family like us, then aren't we doing the same things that we accused others of doing? We have a problem if we build the fence so that no one else can come in. We have a problem if we think our best days are behind us and we can't think about a next challenge. We are called to live fully and boldly into all God calls us to be, friends. And it does not matter our age, ability, where we are, or where we think we're going. God's calling every single one of us because we have breath today. And we can make a difference today. It is so easy to use faith blockers like those evangelicals, or those politicians, or those difficult family members as scapegoats to all our faith can be. We're called to look around and ask who's missing here and how can we reach them? We're called to look inside ourselves and ask, how can I move the narrow, restrictive fences I find myself in? And here's the tough one. And it's perhaps tougher for me than maybe any of you in the room. With those faith blockers like evangelicals and politicians and difficult family members, what part can I play in healing and reconciliation? Where and who are my fences? And whose faith might I be blocking by my judgment or my rejection of? God calls us to be reflective. Friends, we need to stop worrying about what others think of us how we look, how much we weigh, if we're smart enough, if we're talented enough. Or whatever enough. Because you and me and them, them too, we are all more than enough. When we look at God's amazing creative work in us and through us with disdain or regret or wanting to be something other than who we are, are wasting time on our past, we are wasting our precious, precious time and the life we've been given. When we and if we let faith blockers stand in our way, it's on us. As a church, I hope people look at us and say, that's a strange bunch over there on Don Anna Drive. <laughs> They got a little bit of everybody and everyone. But I tell you what, they might be small in numbers, but they're leaving some handprints and footprints on this city. That said, we too need to think about any fences that we've put up. And when we think that we've moved the fence as far as we can, then it's time to rely on God to nudge us and put a fence post digger in our hand. Anybody ever dealt with a fence post digger? It's pretty hard to dig, I'll tell you that. It's even harder to dig if you don't want to put the post in the ground. Friends, God is bigger than us. We are called not to limit who we are and who we think we are by our limitations. And we're called to just move the fence of our own lives. What has you fenced in this morning? We all got him. Friend and I went to Paul McCarthy last night. It was packed. And when he came out, everyone was just screaming. And Kenny, I know you did this for a living and you sort of got a little tired of it. But I don't know what you want to call what I am, but i just got to confess to you. I said to Brand, I said, can you imagine how that feels to have 20,000 people screaming and can't wait for you to start to sing a song that you wrote? I'm never going to be Paul McCartney, but I can be Marshall Morris Charles. And I don't need 20,000 people, but God's given me a gift to write music, to sometimes sing it, and to play in the key of C. (laughs) (laughs) God's given Kenny gifts, and Daniel gifts, and Gene gifts, and Chris gifts, and Lynn gifts, and Kitty gifts, and Maureen and Kathy gifts, and Caroline gifts, and Deb and Beth. I have been guilty of letting faith blockers get in my way of all I can be and fencing things in. I'm tired of it. I'm going to ask God, What do you want me to be? What else can I do? Where else can I make a change? Who else needs in? I'm ready to move the fence here for my life and for this church. Faith blockers, beware. Because you know what I really hope? I hope you can find it in me to open the fence up to them. Maybe, just maybe, hearts will change.
0: Maybe so.